Mikhail Diakonov is a professor of physics at Montpellier University and the author of Will We Ever Have a Quantum Computer? This is Mikhail Diakonov. I'm Duncan Gammy. You're listening to Dunk Tank. All right. I'm here with uh, Mich- Michel Diakonov. Uh, sir, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, I wanted to talk to you in particular about your work on quantum computing and especially your skepticism about uh, creating practical uh, large-scale quantum computers. And I thought uh, it was interesting in the the book you had sent over to me, uh, a quote of yours where you talk about the, the hype surrounding quantum computers. You say, uh, a revealing precedent for this state of collective mind can be found in the medieval quest for the Holy Grail. Uh, that almost makes this, this whole enterprise sound like um, some, uh, you know, quixotic uh, pursuit. Uh, did it, are, are you suggesting that the uh, race to find a quantum computer is like finding the Holy Grail? Yes, yes, I do. It's not holy grail. Yes, that was a long time ago. But there's a there's a more recent example, which is the building of communism in in Russia, the Soviet bloc. So you in the in the United States and the West in general, you don't know a lot about this, but for for me and for everybody in Russia, it was everyday life. So, this reminds very, very much uh, this idea. This was a great idea, building communism. That's a great idea, like building quantum computing. That's also a big idea. And uh, uh, what... uh, what reminds me very much is the the propaganda. You know, mm. every day you hear how wonderful it will be. There are new breakthroughs every day. Let me just read a quotation from my book, which in turn is a quotation from uh, IBM's website. Okay. Keep accurate long-term weather forecasting. Life-saving drugs for... Uh, life-saving drugs discovered through deep study of the behavior of complex molecules. New synthetic carbon-capturing materials to help reverse climate change caused by fossil fuels. Stable, long-lasting batteries to power electric vehicles and store green energy for the utility grid. So this is this was on the IBM website, and they removed it after I quoted this in my book. But that's what everybody says. Things like that. There's a uh, promises, overwhelming promises of a bright future which will come with quantum computing. And this indeed resembles very much the promises that uh, were made uh, for communism. All this utility grid and so on, 
will happen in communism mm. once it is built. I so that, that's that's what that's what going on, and uh, if and that's going on not so long. Uh, it started in '94, which was the invention of Shor's algorithm, famous Shor's algorithm. It was '94, so it is now how much? 27 years. That's not so much because the communistic propaganda uh, lasted for 70 years. So there's still time to go. <laughs> so it lasted for 70 years and then crash. Everybody suddenly understood that there is no way for building communism. So I anticipate that the same thing, exactly the same thing is going to happen with quantum computing. The question is when? Mm. That, and and it's it's interesting how you, you the facts that you give to support your case are very basic to the point where you would almost think that the people working on these problems th this would have occurred to them before. So, for instance, you talk about uh, if you want to describe the state of a quantum computer with uh, even something like just a thousand qubits, uh, then that would be. Uh, two to two to the one thousand continuous parameters right, you have right, to keep track of right. a massive number. So wh yes. why is that the case? And uh, uh, why why what why is it like that? Uh, it, it, why sure? Why is that a why is that the case? Why is that a problem? Oh, uh, well, uh, if you have uh, if you have some configuration, it's good to know how uh, how much parameters describe this configuration. For example, uh, in our laptops that we're using now, uh, they are based on transistors. Now, each transistor is a simple thing. It is a switch, on, off. So, at a given moment, the state of, uh, of my laptop is described by a list of transistors that are on and off. That's all. Fair enough. And these are. And, we, and then we switch between those states. Now, for a quantum computer, the state, the state of a quantum computer is described by two to the nth power continuous variables, not switches, not on-off switches. These are continuous variables, which are called quantum amplitudes. So if you have one, one uh, qubit, then it is A times up plus B times down, two parameters, A and B. If you have two, then you have A up up plus B up down plus C down up and plus plus D down down, four, and so on. So generally, the state, the state of a quantum, of an assembly, assembly of n qubits is described by 2 to the nth power continuous parameters. 
Yeah. And this is just basic quantum mechanics. You can have, you, you cannot, uh, it's not a question that can be, is disputable. Right. Yeah. It's basic quantum mechanics. It's written on the first page of every book in quantum mechanics. Okay. It's not something that I have invented. It's, it's just basic. So, so the state of this quantum computer, hypothetical one, is described by this number of continuous parameters. And like any continuous parameters, they don't remember they don't remain frozen in some ideal world they could be frozen but in the real world they're not frozen because in the real world there are unwanted interactions noise and so on so on so all those this enormous number of parameters will make a drift they will change in time uh, in a random fashion and so, and that, and that means end for quantum computing. How, how many qubits um, would a quantum computer need to be uh, useful in any way that you know some of the people who have hyped it up have described? Uh, I don't remember. It depends on on the problem. So if if you if you talk about factoring, then it depends on the number that you need to factor. So I can't I can't tell you. It's but it, it's a this number is not very large. Okay. In terms but, of but two to the power of this number yeah. is really large. Okay. And, and it would it would at least be in the hundreds. In other words, two to the hundreds is already. Two to the hundred is, uh, is already enormous, and two to the thousand is much greater than the number of particles in the whole universe. Yeah. <laughs> so just just to uh, sort of sum up where we're at, because this uh, this is a lay a lay audience that listens to this show. Basically, you're, what you're describing is with classical computers, the the classical zero and ones that we're seeing. These are discrete entities. And so it's much easier to keep track of a zero or a one. Yes, uh, yes. Whereas with quantum computers, they can be continuous um, and they drift. And so you're gonna have to have error correction, which uh, theoreticians claim they have found ways to error correct. But uh, you give a joke in your book um, that someone came to Stalin during World War II with oh, this yeah, invention yeah. of three buttons on his desk. The green one blows up the enemy's uh, you know, army. The blue one blows up their navy. The third blows up their air force. And Stalin goes, that's great. How does it work? And he goes, well, that's, I just gave you the idea. It's up to the engineers to implement it. Is that kind of what quantum yes. error correction is at? Yeah, well, yes, more or less, more or less. It's for the quantum engineers, sometimes they say for future quantum engineers, to design how, how this should, should work. Now, uh, there is another point. Uh, still, uh, since, uh, since, uh, since this whole field was started in 94, it is 27 years. So, the public and I, as part of the public, have the right to ask 
Well, what what is what has been achieved during those 27 years? And and I remind that the whole business started by the invention of Shor's algorithm of factoring. So if you learn to factor enormous numbers, 100,000 digits, digits numbers, you can break security codes. And so there was a panic that, on this subject. So uh, how about factoring? Uh, factoring the number 15 is still not possible after those 27 years of talking about the wonders of quantum computing, it is still not possible to use Schwarz algorithm to factor 15. Mm. So we need not worry about our security codes for some time, maybe for a million years more, I don't know. Uh, there, there was a, a couple of papers where they, um, uh, well, first people calculated how much, how many qubits you need and how many operations you need to perform to factor 15. And uh, the number of qubits is uh, 21, not so much, but the number of operations is 4,000 something. And this is not possible. It was not possible. 10 years ago, it wasn't possible. 20 years ago, it is not possible now. So they invented uh, and call it, uh, what's the word? Compiled, compiled version of Shor's algorithm. So it's not Shor's algorithm, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's sort of cheating or simplification as you like. Uh, you do what you can. So you do not do everything that is needed. You, you simplify the, your task and then they manage to factor 15 and later 21 by this simplified. But honest factoring of 15 is still not possible. We're very, very far from that. And now, everybody also says that it's uh, common knowledge that quantum computing cannot work without error correction. Right. And there's enormous literature on error correction, how it should be done, and so on, so on, so on. Now, what is the status of error correction? Let's describe very simply. It doesn't exist. Error correction doesn't exist even on a very small, even at a tiny scale. Well, somebody managed to, to perform error correction with just one qubit. And then, uh, then they made the uh, lifetime of this qubit double what it would be without, without error correction. That's all. So, error correction doesn't exist, and uh, it is not 
clear how and when it can appear. Factoring doesn't exist. There is nothing, there's absolutely nothing to show. No, no results. Well, depend on what you call results. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but so when you assemble a lot of qubits somewhere, you can say that it is a good result. But the, nobody has shown how to use them to obtain something uh, to solve some elementary task like factoring 15 or, or doing, doing error correction with three qubits, not possible. Yeah, that, this seems like a much needed dose of reality for a lot of researchers because, I mean, of course, there is a lot of hype. There's a lot of uh, money being invested and say, hey, listen, you can't even factor the number 15 with your fancy machines. You know, a two-year-old can do that. Um, so has there been progress that's been made? It feels, again, this it could just be propaganda, as you were saying earlier. But it feels like, um, you know, places like Google have claimed things like quantum supremacy. IBM put out some statements saying they're, they have a roadmap to get to 1,000 qubits. Um, yes, yes. Uh, There's a lot of promises. Yes. Okay. Are these just, um, I don't know, bluffs? Uh, excuse me? Are, are, they, uh, are they pretending to, are, are they just betting that they can make these promises and then hope someday to deliver? Or do well, they really delude I hope, I hope so. Yeah. I hope that it is not deliberate cheating. Yeah. It's... Uh, that people believe what they say. That, that's my hope. Yeah. But uh, whether they hope or not, the the results are, are there for everybody to see. And uh, as I said, or didn't I say this? This reminds me very much the building of communism right. in Russia in the United States and in the West in general, they have only a general idea. But this was everyday life for millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, those promises of this type that I have quoted, they were made every day. Every newspaper published this and promised how we would uh, live at, for when the communism is finally built. And then they described how there is some progress on the way to communism. Well, partial pro progress, but still there is progress. Uh, there, there are people who work not for money, but because they are enthusiasts. So this is a kind of communistic uh, way. And of course, there are such people. There <laughs> always have been and will be. And, uh, and this lasted for 70 years. And uh, also there is another, another point of similarity. Uh, you know, in the Soviet Union, there was a 
well, small, like that small booklet uh, journal, which didn't cost anything at all, which was called Blocknot Agitatora, Blocknot of an Edge Data. Hmm. Which, which was a propaganda tool, very widely distributed. It's uh, cost, I don't know, 20 copies, something like that. Nothing at all, and published in millions of copies. Now, uh, now with quantum computing, we have the same thing. Uh, it is called the magazine Quantum Daily. <laughs> quantum Daily is exactly the same thing. It's a propaganda tool which explains what are the beautiful results that such and such has obtained and how it works and what are the, and again, the promises of the type that I have quoted. So, so that's, that's, that's how it works. And as I said, well, I hope that uh, we will need not, we will not need 70 years because uh, the, the world is more open now and so on. In, uh, in the Soviet years, if I would say that communism is not possible, I would go to Gulag immediately. <laughs> and now you see I am free. Yes. Nobody, nobody arrests me. So the, it has changed. It's, it's much better. It's much better. Well, uh, you, and what's interesting about that, you say that, of course, there's no, you know, gulag for people who descend from the hype here. But I would imagine that it is difficult to be in your position because you're basically telling, uh, you know, a, a, a train that, you know, you're going in the wrong direction. You need to stop. And it's difficult to stop that train. Yeah, Has yeah. it been on a professional level? Has it been difficult? Uh, Difficult? Have you encountered any difficulties talking about these? Uh, no, I, I, I personally didn't didn't encounter. Well, maybe it's because I'm in France, but in France also there's a lot of, of this quantum computing, uh, uh, quantum computing people. Not not as much as as in the U.S., but still is. No, I didn't have any problems. No problems at all. And let me let me show you the title picture from my book. Yes. <laughs> it's an image of AI. So this shows my, my view of what's going on. So you see that's me, and this is the huge tank which I'm trying to stop. And of course, this is not possible. Yes. It can only stop by internal reasons, not by external. <laughs> yes. And w one of the things, and this is uh, kind of random, but it, uh, I had a, a former professor who uh, grew up in the Soviet Union, and he told me that the programmers there were really good because they were given a certain, they were allotted a certain amount of time on the computer and so they had to make sure to test their code in advance and, and get really good at debugging in their head before they brought it to a computer. 
it's just something I was curious about. Is that true? I don't know. I was never, never had anything to do with with computing. Okay, I see. Oh, once, once when I was was quite young, I had a problem to solve. It was uh, now I could solve this problem with my calculator, but at the time it was not possible. And uh, just recently, the the Academy of Science in Russia has opened a computing center. It was not quantum computing yet, it's just normal computing. And also the computer was uh, tremendous. So I went, uh, and uh, it was a simple differential equation that I had to solve. So they told me to go to the girls who would make me a program. Mm. I went to the girls, they made me a program. Uh, then I punched the cards. And then I meant, went to a three-story building which contained the computer. Mm. And they put my cards inside it, started chewing my cards. And then something uh, uh, quite uh, unexpected occurred. It started spitting the, um, what do you call it? The lenta. Well, the paper. Yes. And it, uh, like uh, hundreds of meters <laughs> before, <laughs> before the, the technician managed to, to cut, shut it off. And so I went and looked at this this uh, the results that they gave me and it was very interesting it was zero 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 one zero 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 one <laughs> and 500 meters of this <laughs> so that was my only experience with computing very very precise i like it um <laughs> so what it, it, but it does seem, though, like your experience with the Soviet Union has has influenced how you approach the world of science. Is that is that accurate in some way? No, no, I don't think so. Well, because uh, the uh, how to say it, the the scientific the world of science consists of people, and those people are more or less the same anywhere. In the Soviet Union, in the U.S., in France, in Thailand, they're they're uh, they're the same types <laughs> everywhere. So I didn't have any problem. I got you. Um, I spent I spent some some months in Japan and in the United States also. Well, I never had any any problems. I see. And one of, um, speaking of this, this hype machine, and you were talking about this earlier, where people are promising that um, a large scale quantum computing, uh, quantum computer could be responsible for uh, hyper accurate weather forecasts, uh, discovering mm-hmm. miracle drugs, etc. Um, let's say we got to a point where you could uh, maintain uh, a large scale stable quantum computer with error correction and let's say you had however many qubits you want could in that scenario 
could quantum computing deliver on its its promise? Uh, yes, I think so. I think so. But uh, you know, it's a it's a somewhat hypothetical question. It's it's like you ask. Uh, suppose you come to paradise, would it really be, <laughs> be so nice there? Yes, why not? It would be quite nice in <laughs> paradise. Sa same thing with quantum computing. If, if there would be a powerful computer, never mind quantum or, or whatever, uh, it would be good. It is highly improbable. Well, the quantum, the the quantum idea is is highly improbable, in my opinion. And do you think that uh, when you say highly improbable, and and you were you said earlier like oh maybe in a million years, I don't know if that was a joke, but do you think that we will? This is simply a, a an issue of time, or do you think that uh, we are simply coming against like the the limits of what we can do. In other words, if we yeah. gave us a thousand years, could we make progress on quantum computing? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But, no, because, because this uh, exponential complexity, yeah. you know, when you deal with the exponent, you, you can do nothing. Yeah. So, in other words, the, the same thing that makes quantum computers special is also what makes it almost impossible to implement. Yes, I think you can put it this way. Okay. You can put it this way. Do you, do you see, I mean, what do you see the future of quantum computing then? I mean, you, you suggested maybe it'll hit a wall at some point and people will give up. Um, that doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. So where do you think this goes? I don't know. Well, that's difficult. You know, somebody said it's difficult to predict, especially the future. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that, uh, uh, well, human nature is such that People get tired when they there is they begin tired with propaganda when they heard hear the same thing many times they get tired and and somehow so I think it will it will disappear will it be a graduate or will it be a catastrophic <laughs> event I don't know but. Do you do you put quantum computing in the same category as um, other much type uh, technologies like uh, blockchain or machine learning, where um, well, a lot of promises made? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I cannot comment because I don't know enough on the machine learning. Okay, fair enough. But uh, I don't know. I'm so I am ignorant. But still, <laughs> I think that machine learning is much, much more realistic. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, did you have any thoughts on on this 
I mean, blockchain seems to be one of those technologies that uh, everyone has made a big deal about. There's a lot of hype. Machine learning, there seems to be like real results. But I, I don't know. Have, have you given much thought to blockchain at all? No, no. <laughs> Fair enough. No, no. Um, no, you know, that's not my business. I'm, I'm a physicist, so right. I'm doing physics. And... Fair enough. Um, as a physicist, then, are you, um, even at a small, very small scale, um, something where in the, the tens of qubits, let's say, could that be useful as a physicist to simulate any aspects of quantum physics? Um, no, here I must say one thing that, uh, uh, that simulation is another, is another business. Because, uh, uh, well, just an example. Uh, I, I have a, well, spins are my, my bread and butter. I, I have studied spin physics for, for a long time. And even here I have a book. Spin physics and semiconductors. Yes, and I'm the editor of this, of this book. So spin physics is my, my, uh, my love. Uh, what was it? Uh, ah, yes. So, and uh, of course, there are, there are problems if you have a, spin, a complicated spin system, which sometimes exists in nature also. It, it becomes very difficult to, to calculate and to what, what should happen and so on. So, uh, so one way is to to just to build this system artificially and just look at it. Uh, so uh, what is it called? It's uh, simulation modeling. That, that's that's uh, absolutely reasonable modeling one system by another system. It's not quantum computing, it's, it's another thing. Mm. Well, so it's, it's, it's quite reasonable. I, I never did this kind of thing. I always tried to use my pen <laughs> and paper. <laughs> but, um, Michel, so as, as we're wrapping up here, um, is there anything that, uh, well, one, is there any way that people can uh, can reach you if they want to explore your ideas more? Um, they can find your your books. Is there a place like that online? Uh, I've not so many books. One book I have shown you. This is just spin physics, and uh, as concerning quantum computer, here's a very very small book that I have. Will we have a quantum computer? Yes. Yes. So this, I think, it's it's only forty something pages, and uh, it explains in a simple way what what I think, and it's accessible to students and 
even to school, high school pupils. Yeah, that was that was the one I had checked out before we talked, and it's very very readable. Um, well, look, Michelle, I, I really enjoyed talking to you about this, and I am I am curious to see when this bubble pops because I, I was not even aware there was a bubble until I started. Uh, when and whether. And whether <laughs> yes, exactly. I uh, think so. I think so. Because, uh, because, you know, people get tired when they hear the same thing. For, there's a, now there's a generation which, uh, which has... Um, uh, has been hearing about quantum computer from kindergarten. Right. And they get tired. The same, the same thing happened with communism. When, when we had 70 years, people get tired. Hopefully we don't have to wait 70 years, but we'll see. Yes, I, hope, I, hope, I hope to live to see the end of this. <laughs> they'll, they'll tear down the quantum computer statues in the town square uh, well great michelle uh thank you very much for your time uh i really enjoyed talking to you and have a great rest of your day thank you thank you it was a pleasure you're you're very nice uh, who are you <laughs> Yes. Podcaster. Podcaster, sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you to Mikhail Diakonov, and thanks for listening to Dunk Tank. I'm Duncan Gammy. See you next time.